You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode of Malcolm in the Middle, one by one, in chronological order. Today, we're talking about Hal's birthday, which originally aired March 3rd, 2002, was directed by Levi Isaacs, and written by Alex Reed. Hi, I'm Jake, and admit it, you don't think I'm good enough for this podcast. And I'm David, and fine, I'll go to the parent-teacher night. Before we get into this week's episode, we have our community segment. Looking back at the last couple of episodes, we've got some poll results, starting with Reese Drives, which we... For once, both agreed that Malcolm was the least shitty kid in... Which is insane. Uh, ...apologizing to Craig and befriending him. And the internet agreed Malcolm got 77% of the vote, with the remaining 11% going to Reese and Dewey. Much more contentious, uh... <laughs> our shittiest kid for that episode, you chose Francis... For failing to fix the uh, problems at the lodge that he created, and for trying to lean on Lois and Hal for that. But uh, I chose Dewey for actively cheering on Reese's uh, suffering and potential dangerous situation with the police. And the internet narrowly agreed with me in a very close race between all four kids. Is Dewey had 33% of the vote, with everyone else being tied for second at 22%. Nice. Then, moving on to Cynthia's back, which we were in complete agreement for that episode, and we thought that, you know, it would be fairly unanimous online as well, but it seems Josh from Des Moines uh, had other plans. That seems likely. Uh, but for least shitty kid, we both chose Dewey for... Not doing anything shitty and for helping Hal with his kite issues, Dewey came in with 77% of the vote, with Malcolm getting the remainder. <laughs> the, 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 the real kicker here, the, the, the real Josh from Des Moines vote, so we both chose Reese's shittiest kid. Uh, because he sexually assaulted Cynthia seemed very obvious to us. Oh, uh, no, right now the internet's very divided on sexual assault. Jake, don't get me started on that. Ah. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Yay, Activision. Uh, <laughs> By which we mean, screw you, Activision. Yes, and Blizzard. Uh, but we, we only had one outlier. There was an individual Josh from Des Moines vote for Dewey, with the rest being the correct choice of Reese. Yeah, that's 100% Josh. That's, that's, there's no arguing that. So that. That's a Josh from Des Moines vote if I've ever seen one. No, oh, 100%. And we, we do have one other thing for the community segment uh, and then sort of sort of another one that we'll actually be talking about as we get into the episode itself but on twitter powerful trash did bring up uh which we've briefly talked about it before but the alternative finale to breaking bad that uh you know directly connects it to malcolm in the middle with jade kasmeric uh there and everything with, with hal waking up and it having all been a dream that he had oh i forgot about that yeah okay oh uh, yeah they, they brought it up and were surprised we hadn't mentioned it on the uh cranston connection and it is relevant and i also do have a correction from the brief mention of it before i thought it was from a sketch show uh but it, it actually comes from the like dvd set of the last season of breaking bad it was actually done like by the breaking bad people really yeah, it's just like a little bonus feature to put on the DVD. I love that. I love that a lot. Which, uh, yeah, it d does, you know, arguably uh, make it closer to canonical. I mean, it's already canon, Jake. It doesn't need to be closer. It's already there. Well, I mean, we haven't brought it up in the Cranston connection, so it's actually not canon yet. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Well, we'll get there one of these days. We, we are the arbiters That's of right. what's canon and what's not canon. <laughs> we decide. <laughs> That's right, because we are the ones who knock. <laughs> That's right. Who's this Linwood Boomer? <laughs> what does that guy know? Exactly. But I, I did uh, re-watch it because they brought it up. And it is uh, it, it is less of a... Definitely, like, watching it immediately, I was like, oh, this definitely is not from the sketch show, which is why I looked more into it. Like, it's, you know, it, it obviously has the joke there of, you know, tying the two together, but, but it's not... It's not, like, a very sketchy, like, very jokey thing. Right. Huh. Well, that's nifty. Yeah. But with that, let's get to this week's episode. Which starts, of course, with a cold open centered around Hal and Lois as they are standing in front of the stove, uh, heating up two cast iron skillets, 
which they both reach out and grab and hold in their hand. And, like, immediately Hal starts, like, wincing and writhing in pain as he does this while Lois uh, just stands there and sort of grits her teeth and takes it. And very quickly, Hal gives up, he puts his down and runs over to the sink uh, to put his hand under some running water. Well, Lois puts hers out and just sort of blows on it, and Hal says, Fine, I'll be the one to go to parent-teacher night. I love this cold open. <laughs> I love that that's how they decide that. Uh, it is really good. But moving on to the episode proper, for once we only really have one plot line. We just have a singular A-plot to deal with. Yeah, I. it's strange. I feel like this hasn't happened since season one. I feel like it might have happened once or twice in season two. This is definitely the first one of season three. Yeah. For sure. Or I'm forgetting one, which is also very possible. And I don't think we've done it this season, but time blends together I don't together think for me. so, but yeah. I Time blends together, and this is the first episode in, like, the last three episodes that, that I feel, like, fully functioning mentally, so who knows? Right? Yeah, I, I got some sleep. <laughs> I feel awake. I'm not battling a head cold, like... We're we're back in true form. I'm not distracted by 800 forms that I got to fill out. Like I'm not multitasking yeah. while recording. And watch, yeah, it's, it's wild stuff. It, it is. The audience is going to be like, yeah, this episode kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> but the uh, the episode itself starts with Malcolm answering the phone to talk to Stevie, and Mal Malcolm is. Having to explain that he, Reese, and Dewey are all grounded for an incident involving eggs and a golf club. Yeah, I mean, what did she expect? They had the eggs, they had the golf clubs. I mean, that's on her, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, and as Malcolm is explaining this and also getting excited about what Stevie is telling him, we see the other two boys as they are cleaning as part of their punishment. Dewey is, like, scrubbing the floors... And Reese is cleaning the fireplace, and Lois tells him that she wants it clean enough to lick it, and Reese says, I'll lick it right now. <laughs> Dude, that reminds me so much of my brother uh, when we were teenagers. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, he, he was the kid in our friend group who was like... The, the the kid who eats gross stuff. He would eat gross stuff. He would lick stuff for money. Yeah. No, it's just... He licked your dad's feet once. I wasn't going to bring that up, uh, but yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> he licked my dad's foot at Christmas one time. Like, just... Uh, my brother's not well. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, but Lois tells Reese, I want it clean enough that I'll lick it. And then she walks away. And when she does, Reese gets like a curious look on his face. And licks the fireplace and immediately looks disgusted by it. <laughs> Look, sometimes you just got to do things for science, Jake. Do you, though? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not saying I'd do it, but that's kind of how the scientific method got started. I mean, there were a lot of steps in between licking things and eating random stuff off bushes, but you know. Look, historic people did a lot of things I won't do now. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not. I, look, I'm not advocating. <laughs> That people should go do what Reese does. I'm just saying it makes sense to me. Reese is essentially a Neanderthal in, you know, the early 2000s. Fair enough, I suppose. <laughs> but then Malcolm tells Reese and Dewey that Stevie has extra tickets to the Demolition Derby and he's offering to take them. And it gets even better because since he's in a wheelchair, they'll get to sit right up front in the handicap section. Oh, my lord. Have you ever been to a demolition derby, David? Yes, actually, I have. As have I. Okay. Look at that. Uh, did you like the demolition? Not really. No. <laughs> I, I don't care about cars, man. Like, it was more fun than the races. Well, that's not even true, because, like, the stock car races I went to had a bunch of accidents. Like, ah. I don't find racing to be super entertaining at all. And on top of it, like, I'm sorry, but you want me to go sit in 90 plus degree weather at a track where I can't hear anything just to watch two giant pieces of metal run into each other. I got news for you. That is just as quote unquote fun sitting in my living room, watching it on TV as it is being there in person. That is not like baseball where mm. it's better in person. It's... It's the same. I disagree with that. I enjoyed it for about 
the first half an hour. My issue with it was that it lasted, like, two hours. And it was one of those sides that was like, if this was, you know, condensed, I, I would really enjoy it, but I think exclusively live. It did not make a difference to me being live whatsoever. Fair enough, I suppose. I'm surprised because most things do. Most sports, being live and watching it increases the enjoyment factor for me. Demolition Derby and stock car races and all that, not not one of them. Uh, I mean, the, the race I could definitely see with that. But the Demolition Derby specifically, I, I think, is I don't know, a, a very, like, it has to be live to me kind of thing. You know what I think it is, Jake? I think as a person who has had multiple times in their life pieces of metal and flaming pieces of metal come hurling at their head and then had trips to the hospital and lasting scars for the rest of their life, the thought of reliving that over and over again like I did when I was at the Demolition Derby and shit kept hitting the fence in front of me, just not my cup of tea. Uh, I mean, one... Fair enough, I can see that. And two, you were very clearly at a much fancier demolition derby than me. You had a fence in front of you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, have you ever been to the Casper Speedway? No. Oh, okay, yeah, it, it's just was the one here. It has the fences because it either stock car races there, too. And they yeah, have yeah, to have fair that. enough, makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I went in South Dakota with my friend Tanner, whose dad was like a big demolition derby guy. Uh, he was, uh, well, kind of. Uh, like, they, they named the, uh, like cup that they give to the best decorated car right. of each like demolition derby well after him because that was like his whole thing is like his car like may not even like it may just like die on its own before the derby even starts but it always looked the best gotcha yeah i gotcha <laughs> so his family is like super into it and goes every year and all of that getting back to the episode as the boys are talking about this and how excited they are lois comes in and asks uh, aren't you forgetting something about tomorrow and w when they can't piece it together she says uh, tomorrow is your father's birthday yep and the boys are sort of dejected and unhappy that they're going to have to miss this demolition derby for Hal's birthday, as Dewey points out, Dad has a birthday every year. Might be the only time we get to go to the Demolition Derby. Yeah, I, uh, I can... I, I've been there before when I was a kid. Oh, of course. It was always... It, there was always something. Because, like, near the end of summer, my dad's birthday is. Because it's August 18th. So, like, it's getting there near the end of summer, just before school starts. And, like, everyone's getting their last hurrah in. And you want to go do stuff and, and really finish out the summer with a bang. But no, you got to stay home and hope that maybe your dad comes home on time from the, you know, everything. And, and then you do the whole birthday party thing. That made my dad sound way worse than he He was a truck driver. So, like, he wasn't out at the bar or something. We were waiting for it. But as they're, like, complaining and uh, doing some more cleaning, Malcolm finds uh, in the trash a flight itinerary and he realizes that it is Francis's and that Francis is going to be coming home for Hal's birthday. And they all get excited about that and sort of resolve to do everything that they are told to do and be on their best behavior so that they can enjoy their time with Francis at home. Then the next morning, the boys are sitting on the couch watching cartoons, and Hal comes in and, like, picks up the remote and turns the TV off and looks at them expectantly until they sing happy birthday for him. Then they turn the TV back on and, uh, w once again, complain about how they never get to do what they want, but at least Francis is going to be home. And Hal goes to the bathroom, and when he looks in the mirror, he sees a younger version of himself uh, in very 80s clothes, and this younger version is, like, criticizing how he looks, talking about how out of shape he is, and how, you know, young Hal did all this exercise, and, and he's just let it all go to waste. And Hal says, uh, at least he still has his pant melons. And he, like, turns to the mirror and shows off his butt. Uh. The younger mirror <laughs> version of himself, like, uh, t tells him, you know, e even that won't last forever. You, you can't rely on that the rest of your life. Then... Hal goes out into the bedroom where Lois is on the phone with the power company as she is behind because she spent all this money on sending Francis plane tickets 
uh, fly him home as a surprise for Hal, and she's like trying to explain this to them and insisting on talking to their manager. And when Hal comes in, he tries to get her attention, very, very clearly trying to like jut his butt out towards her and, you know, get her to look. Yeah, he even does the like whole dropping something and then bending over to pick it up. <laughs> and it's a classic for a reason. Yeah, that's right. You know, I didn't used to have to ask for your attention. <laughs> yes, he gets very <laughs> upset when Lois continues talking on the phone and ignoring him. And they start to fight... And as, as they're fighting, they, they, like, go out to the living room, and Lois uh, tells the boys to go to their room, and Dewey stands up to her, demanding that they either fight somewhere else or get a TV for their room, because TV is the only thing fun to do in this house. Then it just hard cuts to uh, Dewey and then also the rest of the boys, each in a different corner of the room, uh, discussing how unfair this punishment is. And how unreasonable Lois is. In fact, it's like talking to a wall. That's right. And they say Dewey made some valid points out there. <laughs> then we get to Hal's birthday party with the family sitting at the table uh, with, you know, the, the cake and ice cream sitting on the table. And when Hal goes to get some, Lois tells him he has to wait. Uh, he has to wait for the ice cream to soften because he likes it that way. Uh, he says, no, I don't. And the boys like immediately jump in, like siding with Lois saying, yes, you do. We all do. Basically just trying to gaslight Hal. <laughs> Then Reese has a little moment that we'll talk about more in awards, <laughs> where where he, he like gets in over his head trying to uh, <laughs> help Lois stall while while they're all clearly waiting for Francis to show up and surprise Hal. Yeah, that's uh. <laughs> I loved it. At the end of uh, Reese's, like, monologue, Francis finally knocks at the door, and Lois says, Oh, thank God! <laughs> and they all rush over to the front door and open it. Francis is standing there waiting, and Hal is very happy to see him, and as are the boys, he's very happy about his surprise. And Francis is greeting them, and then he says he has another surprise for them. And he introduces them to Piyama, who is his wife. Everyone, when he says this, and, you know, Piyama steps into the doorway, is just sort of staring in stunned silence. Yep. This part of the reaction is understandable, I think. Yes. Agreed. Now, this, this, this is uh, the, the last moment of the episode where I'm uh, with Lois. <laughs> 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 they, you know, start talking, like, th through this, and uh, Francis reveals that they got married last week, and uh, he's, you know, expecting congratulations, but of course Lois is just upset. Francis, you know, got married and didn't tell them, and has shown up with this uh, woman for Hal's birthday. She, she talks about how it's, you know, ruining Hal's birthday, and all of that sort of making it about her, realistically. Yeah, 100%. And of course... Francis immediately starts tearing into her as well, in typical Francis and Lois fashion as they start just loudly arguing. Uh, and Francis, like, steps in, uh, sort of with the boys to his back and Hal and Lois in front of him. Uh, and despite their agreeing with her, Lois immediately sends them to their room uh, once again because there's going to be a fight. And... Uh, when Reese even, you know, points out, but we're agreeing with you for once. Uh, she, she's not having any of it. She sends them away anyways. That's right. Room now. We, we follow the boys to their room where they're complaining about how shitty their family is, how all they do is fight and yell. And, they, you know, they were looking forward to Francis coming home, but they're not going to be able to do anything now. It, it's just going to be fighting the entire time he's there. And Reese says that they should just run away from it all. And Dewey immediately says he's in, and Malcolm is a little bit more skeptical. He asks, like, how would we even do that? And at that point, Reese pulls Hal's credit card out of his pocket and says, with this. <laughs> and yeah. Malcolm says, you knew we were going to need Dad's credit card tonight? And Reese sort of looks around and says, sure. Uh, Reese. Then Dewey and Malcolm both agree that they are going to run away. Back out in the kitchen, Hal is, like, trying to calm everyone down and establish 
uh, some sort of piece, which of course is going poorly, as Lois just uh, immediately makes, you know, some backhanded compliment, or comments Com about Francis. Yeah, about definitely not compliments. Yeah, no, they were not compliments. I was about to call you out for that. Uh, she, she says, uh, you know, he's the one who's, you know, ruined this birthday party, and Francis says, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll party right now. <laughs> and Lois says, okay, great, let's have a party. And she starts grabbing just handfuls of Hal's cake and, like, putting it on plates. Yeah. Well, Francis, of course, adding fuel to the flame, you know, going along with it, asking if Piyama can get one of the pieces with Rose on it. Why not? There's plenty to go around. And as they're doing this, the boys come out of their room and Reese announces to the family that they are declaring that they are no longer part of this family and they're leaving. Then they all walk out. I was just saying, no one pays attention. Yes. And uh, they continue to not pay attention as, like, after they walk out, Dewey walks back in and confesses to be the one who broke the ice maker a month ago. <laughs> and the boys go to a hotel using Hal's credit card to get themselves a room, which the hotel clerk is, you know, initially helping them, and then says when they get everything set up, they just needs their dad's signature. And they say that their dad is out cleaning up the mess in the car because Dewey threw up, and when the hotel clerk, like, it looks skeptical and says, he doesn't look sick to me, you know, I'm really gonna have to talk to your dad, Malcolm just turns to Dewey, and Dewey, like, on command, starts making himself sick. And proceeds to vomit on the counter. Yes. Uh, fortunately, you don't see that part. Thank God. Yeah, it cuts to them in the room talking about how great of a job Dewey did, throwing up everywhere. Yeah, and they let them in the room. <laughs> and uh, Reese is, like, jumping on the bed while Dewey's relaxing, and Malcolm is ordering them all room service. Then we go to Hal and Francis in the car, driving around, looking for the boys. You know, Hal's asking uh, if they would be at the park. And Francis says, no, no one really goes there since they put in lights. And their, their talk about the boy sort of turns to uh, the issue at hand. They start talking about Francis getting married. Initially, Hal is telling him, you know, you, you got married knowing this girl for, you know, only a month. How do you really know her? And Francis is talking about how great she is and pointing out that Lois and Hal got married, you know, very soon after meeting. And... Hal says, you know, tries to use the, well, I was older than you argument, the, the, the sort of implication being, you know, he'd slept with more women, so it was time for him to settle down and get married. <laughs> he'd lived a full <laughs> life, Jake. Yes. Uh, but, but as Francis starts, like, countering that argument as well, saying, you know, uh, he just happened to find the love of his life earlier than Hal did, why should he have to wait just to please his parents? Uh, Hal sort of reveals what he's really upset about, which is that, you know, if if Francis had invited him, he would have gone to the wedding. And Francis is, seems, like, uh, shocked that, that he would have showed up to the wedding, and he apologizes for not inviting him. Then, as the uh, camera, like, pans away from them, as they drive away, we once again see Bernard the hamster rolling by. Back at the hotel, the room service has arrived. They each ordered, like, a full individual meal and an entire dessert cart for themselves. Reese having got a, I think he says a $40 hamburger? Uh, 25 Oh, okay. 25 I think, right? Uh, yeah. I, I, I was adjusting for inflation. That's yeah, what it was. I'm, oh, sure. okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure he says a $25 hamburger, but still. Dude, even even today, a $25 hamburger is fuck. That, that's expensive for a single hamburger. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not crazy, though. It's No, it's not, like, super bougie. It's just, like, a little bougie. Yeah. I think that's why I immediately went to $40 in my head. Because I do think, like, I've had, like, a $20 cheeseburger board. I try not to pay that for cheeseburgers or hamburgers. Like, it's got to be... If I'm going to pay that much money, it's it needs to be something a little more. See, I, I fundamentally disagree with that premise. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that there's necessarily, like, a cap on the quality of a cheeseburger. At a certain point, it stops being worth the money because I make a damn good burger. And I've had expensive burgers, and at a certain point, the quality versus the cost is just not worth it compared to what I can make myself. I, I guess, I, I think that the larger issue is that for me is I don't like a lot of fancy foods. I almost always would prefer, uh, you know, something uh, lower class. 
Right, yeah, you 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 would be the guy eating the Wagyu fucking burger, I know. Ugh. Yes. I, I, I'm the guy who, like, if someone takes me, like, to a steakhouse or something, like, it, there's, like, a, a high chance I'm ordering, like, a burger or something instead of, you know, a, a steak or whatever. Because I, I like it more. Yeah. Uh, but Reese is uh, slightly disappointed in his burger. He says he thought it would be as big as his head. And Malcolm has lobster, which uh, Dewey seems, like, shocked by, and Malcolm says he deserves it. I wonder if Malcolm's ever even had lobster before that. Like, does he know how to eat lobster? Because that can be a chore the first time you do it if you don't know how. Oh, for sure. Imagine doing that and then hating lobster. Oh. That was my first experience. It's like, man, this is a lot of work and it tastes awful. It doesn't have to be a lot of work, but you have to know what you're doing and it tastes delicious. You probably just had bad lobster. <laughs> As we've established, you're not exactly a man of high class or caliber when it comes to your dining preferences, Jake. So you probably had like the worst lobster you could get. That that it very well could be true, one. But two, I, I also hate seafood in general. I know, and I hate that you do. It it really stunts your your palate and your cuisine options. Mm, mm, does it though? I don't think so. It, it does. I, I do know how I've had you know supposedly like at least for here you know being a very landlocked place, a uh, good crab, and that was gross. <sighs> there have been many attempts to convert me to seafood. Not, not, none have been even oh, mildly I, successful. I can imagine because I know how many people when I tell them that I don't like fish. Like, I like seafood, but I don't like fish, uh, unless it's raw, because I like sushi for whatever reason. But the amount of people, well, you just haven't tried my catfish yet. No, you're right. Yep. I haven't, because it's gross. And I've tried the last 15 peoples, and it was all their pappy's recipe as well, and it was awful. Please leave me alone. Yep, same, but, but I'll, I'll try it every time. Who Ugh. knows? So that's the difference <laughs> between you and me. By the time I had tried, like, the 12th, I was done. I'm out of it. Like, I'll go catch the catfish. Y'all can cook them. Y'all can eat them. I'll go to McDonald's and have myself a shitty burger. And both of our food was probably fed the same amount of trash. Yeah, well, I, that, that is the thing about me. While, while I'm very, you know, low-class, I will try, like, anything. I'll try anything once. I, I'm a pretty adventurous eater. Yeah, same. I'll try anything once. But that's all you get is once. I'll, I'll try things multiple times. Sometimes something's just, you know, not like your point about the lobster. Sometimes you just, you know, get something uh, that's a bad version of itself. That's fair. And I am willing to take the risk of having something be out of my uh, repertoire rather than eat a shitty food again. Because for <laughs> me to not like it or to not try it ever again, it has to be... It has to do one of, the, one of two things. It has to either make me, like borderline vomit or two i have to like foods that i feel like i can feel them the whole way down your esophagus like i'm out <laughs> like anchovies and anything that is made like anchovies and those freaking kipper snacks and stuff like i yeah i can't do it i can't do it because i feel like i can feel the thing down my whole esophagus and that's just not cool yeah yeah fair i, I can understand that as someone who also hates those. But, uh, you know, if, if someone insisted they had a new take on, like, an anchovy pizza or something, I'd be willing to try it. No, not me. Not me. Uh, anchovies has had that. But, yeah. like, I grew up. Now, something I will try again, because I've only ever had it once in one way, is octopus. And I had it similar in, like, one of those tins similar to anchovies. I would be gotcha. interested in trying octopus one more time in, like, a good traditional Japanese dish somewhere fair enough uh, i've not tried octopus the uh, way i had tried it was squid gross. was not a fan squid is squid's one of those that has to be done really well because i don't like it most of the time either but good calamari which is like the fried squid um yeah that's what i've had yeah yeah good calamari is really good but finding good calamari is really hard i've only had it twice in my entire life gotcha and there's there's nowhere here in town to get it good yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but a couple details that we skipped over is uh, one, when the uh, room service people bring the food up and uh, <laughs> they want Malcolm to, uh, they, they want to see, you know, the, the boy's parents to sign for the uh, order. <laughs> but Malcolm tells him, I'm going to leave the tip section blank. 
if you leave, no questions asked. Yeah, I was. Which I of was, course he does. <laughs> I was skipping over that one on purpose. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. And the other notable de- detail that we skipped over is when the room service comes, Dewey comes out of the bathroom wearing a bathrobe, asking why they don't have a jacuzzi tub at home. That would make us happy, and we can't have that. Yes, that's the only reason. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but after their discussion about Malcolm's lobster, they, they sort of start asking, uh, I wonder what Hal's uh, you know, limit is on his credit card, and they say that they're going to find out. Back at the house, Lois and Piyama are sitting at the kitchen table, staring each other down over some tea. Piyama starts talking about how great Francis is, which Lois immediately cuts her off and says she doesn't want to talk about Francis. And Bielma says, why, he's my husband and your son? It's, it seems like a, a natural thing for us to talk about. And, you know, he's not the mess up that you think he is. Tension con- sort of continues to grow as they talk uh, and sort of start uh, starts getting to a boil when Piamas you know, tries to get Lois to admit that she hates her because she's not classy enough for their family, which Lois immediately laughs off and you know, says it's the first time that they've ever been considered too fancy for anything. It's, it's just a first for me. Right? You think I'm classy? Then she tells Piyama, uh, well, what you're th- thinking of is class. I just consider manners. <laughs> And Piyama, like, pushes her tea to the side and, like, starts standing up. (laughs) As Lois does as well, as they are, like, staring each other down, about to fight. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that scene in every Mortal Kombat before the the round starts. That's that's what this is like. They're they're in their fighting stance. It just, you can't see it. It's just that straight mom stance where she's gonna, like, pull the shoe off and throw it at you or throw a wooden spoon at you or, you know. Yeah, I, I was thinking of it as being very anime. <laughs> oh, you know what? All right. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, look, I don't watch a lot of anime, so that didn't come to mind, but you're right. That's a very, yeah, yeah I can almost see it now. Like, it's got the, like, like the zoom in on the eyes with the little, like, that's- black bars and it's, you know, the little... <laughs> The stress. That's all it's missing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's perfect. Uh, then you just need the internal monologue of each one of them. Yep, but fortunately, before they can come to blows, Hal and Francis come in. As they're excited because they've realized that the boy stole Hal's credit card, so they just need to call and find out where the money's being spent, and they can find the boys. And then, like, as they're, like, explaining this thing, they sort of realize that, like, even as they've come in, Piana and Lois have just been staring at each other, unmoving the entire time. And they both, like, very quickly go to their respective wives and, like, take them the opposite direction away from each other. <laughs> yeah, it's it's perfect. I love it. <laughs> then they all go to the hotel, and Malcolm answers the door, thinking it's room service again. And when he sees Hal, he like tries to very quickly close the door, but Hal like gets a foot in, and then just like puts his shoulder into the door, knocking Malcolm on his ass as they come in. And they tell the boys it's time for them to go home. But they refuse. They say that they are never going home again. Because all this family does is yell. Hmm. Uh, Malcolm, like, explicitly calls this out and says that they should have some other way of communicating with each other than just screaming all the time. Then Lois gives a little speech. She says she's not going to scream. She's not going to yell. They they can have a conversation. And uh, as she's, like, doing this, she, you know, ends it with some more passive-aggressive comments about Francis ruining everything, which prompts Piyama to grab a pitcher of water off of the cart for the room service and splash Lois with it, which of of course Lois is standing there now completely soaked, looking just quietly furious, you know, clearly about to explode, but before she can, Hal tries to, uh, defuse the situation by grabbing a pitcher of, like, either milk or cream and splashing Piyama with it. Yeah, it looks like it's some sort of milk or something. Uh, he's uh, immediately, you know, saying, there, now everything's even, there's no reason to escalate the situation. <laughs> 
And Francis like goes over to Piava and once again like physically removes her from the scene before things turn violent. Uh, well, and, well, there's a little more to that. Yes, yeah, so, uh, Lo- Lois like stares at Francis like when he goes over to her and says, uh, "Get your wife out of my sight." And then Francis, as he escorts her away, says, "She called you my wife. That's progress." Yes. Then, the next day, Malcolm is talking to Camera about how it ended up actually being a pretty good birthday for Hal. Uh, they got some cake that was cut with actual cutlery, and things are really looking up. They, they even came up with a new system to avoid uh, constantly screaming at each other. Then, we see Francis and Piama leaving, with Piama and Lois, like, essentially giving each other an open invitation to, uh, kick each other's ass. <laughs> Whenever they want to come visit, they'll finish that discussion they were having. That's right. Anytime, any place. Then in the kitchen, Reese is chasing Dewey, uh, having like torn one of Dewey's sleeves open. And Lois comes into the kitchen and initially, you know, she starts to yell at Reese. She yells his name and then like uh, gets a look of realization on her face. And, you know, they have this new system and she shouldn't be yelling. So she takes out a notepad and a pen and she very angrily writes something with Malcolm and Hal like looking over her shoulder, looking horrified at what she's writing. Yeah. Then she hands it to Reese, who reads it and immediately looks terrified and uh, says, you know, uh, he'll he'll do anything that she wants. Uh, He'll clean anything. And he immediately apologizes and... It ends with Malcolm once again turning to camera and saying they may want to go back to the old system. (laughs) I really want to know what she wrote down, because what what could be more intimidating written than anything Lois has ever said to Reese? Right. That wraps the episode up, so let's go to our awards. And we will start with our Roller Skating King Award, our award for the best visual moment, which for me was that uh, anime-esque stare-down <laughs> scene between Lois and Piyama. Just so much great, like, just visual tension in that entire scene. Just so well done. I agree. I gave it to a very similar thing, so. Okay, what did you give it to, David? Uh, I gave it to the scene after the food. I, I labeled it the uh, food cart water toss, but it's the it's the scene as uh, Lois has now turned and is shaking, glaring at Piyama, and then Hal splashes her with the cream because now you have both of these women very visibly ready to have a visceral reaction but attempting to control themselves and the look on not only their faces but Hal's and Francis's as they realize that if they don't intervene they're going to kill each other just that I don't know that whole scene made me laugh so hard and it just reminds me so much of how like as a person who has plenty of sisters when they fought, like, this is what it was. Like, guys fight, they scream, they yell, they punch each other, maybe they even push each other downstairs, whatever, but then it's over. Like, this is that type of feud that just lasts forever, and it starts silent and ends up explosive, and I love it. Oh, yeah, and this feud uh, definitely will be ongoing. That seems perfect, uh, and also very real. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. It is definitely a thing. Of, it reminds me a lot of my mom and my grandma on my dad's side, who I've you know talked about here uh, <laughs> uh, in a few instances, comparing her to Ida in certain ways. Uh, but, but it is like my grandma hated my mom, like, up until, like, the last, like, year of her life when we were in Ohio like taking care of her she finally like made peace with her but before that like like she just absolutely hated my mom for like no real reason <laughs> other than you know, she, she was married to her son yikes yeah I know the type <laughs> the lowest PL relationship always just reminds me of that especially because like the a, a lot of the like things that, that they would you know like do to each other were so similar and and they just could not see that they were essentially doing the same thing what shocking (laughs) yeah Uh, but moving on to our next award what did you give the hot dog with mustard award to the award for the best line um so i struggled with this one really bad on this episode but i ended up settling on uh malcolm's line when he uh is buying the room service where he he tells the dude, you know, 
I left the I left the tip blank. Just write in what you see think is fair. Uh, and then he he takes it and no longer requires the uh, signature. Yeah, I gave mine to Reese's, uh, like, digging his own grave, trying to, you know, support Lois and keep Francis's arriving little monologue. It, in total, it's, Dad, just be patient. This isn't a witch hunt. Just calm down and what happens, happens. What I'm saying <laughs> is we're going through this together as a family. And as individuals in this great <laughs> country where we all live, I, I just love the like escalating, like just level of just like platitudes he's clearly heard like people give <laughs> that just do not apply to the situation at all. Right. No, it's so it's so great because it, it sounds just like he just was reading off Hallmark cards, like just like grab a Hallmark card, reading off the front of it, grabbing another one. Like it's, I mean, obviously oh. not quite the exact phrases, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. 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 No, I, I, I put my finger on exactly what it is. Cause it, it occurred to me, this is a post nine 11 episode. And that is like very, that's like what every like political speech was in this era. What was that? Oh fuck yeah! Like a right. lot of that exact same phrasing. <laughs> 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 That's fair. Uh, and I, I do also want to uh, get give a little uh, shout out to my runner up, which was just the '76 Impala Station Wagon of Death <laughs> from the advertisements for the Demolition Derby. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh. moving on to our next award who did you have as your favorite character this episode despite the shittiness i had to give it to lois because i love the shittiness kind of like this is okay this this is that classic mother-in-law daughter-in-law like conflict but take into that funny extreme that this show does and i love uh -huh. it so much and i love i've already said it a million times already in this podcast i love yelly jane kaczmarek and the more absurd that it is i think like when they try to make it serious i don't enjoy it as much but the more absurd her outbursts and yelling is the more i love it fair enough i can see that uh i chose the opposite end of, of this uh, <laughs> feud i chose piyama as my favorite character I, I love anytime a character can sort of go toe to toe with lois and, and sort of bring out all of that that side of lois fair and, and i think uh piyama is a you know, great character to do that, and I think it was a, a, a solid introduction for the character. She doesn't get a ton to do in the episode, but I, I think, you know, uh, it was a good way of establishing, if nothing else, her relationship with Lois going forward. And I just do love, again, any character that will call Lois out on her bullshit. Right. And be, you know, just as willing to throw hands as Lois. Uh, and uh, while we are on the subject of Piyama, we should also probably mention, because I for forgot to earlier, uh, she, she is played by Emmy Colagato, and she she will be a recurring character through the rest of the series. And while they don't get into it at all here, the character is... Uh, Native American. I don't remember if they ever specify a tribe. I don't think so. But the the, the actress herself, uh, controversially, it is not as often happens. She she is Filipino, and there's especially then, but still to some degree today, a pretty frequent issue of people of color kind of get treated as interchangeable and things from from a Cassian perspective. Right. And what did you give your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the moment that sets the episode firmly within its time of release. Hal's Reflection. Hal's Reflection is such a, a just timestamp to me because it is exactly early to mid 80s. So, you know, showing Hal and his prime and his vigor and his youth, which, you know, puts obviously Hal exactly at his dad age there in uh in in the modern time it's just i don't know it's it's such a uh just a time stamp and everything about his mirror reflections outfit and hair and everything all of it was perfectly 80s it was wow yeah fair enough that was my backup i gave my award to a Decoration in the boys' room is, uh, I believe, over Reese's bed. There is a Peyton Manning Colts banner, which Ooh. this would have been like his his 
third or fourth year with the Colts is sort of the like start of like his upward trajectory to being like you know what one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, I think it would be like a year or two later before he was taking them to a Super Bowl. Meh. It doesn't matter, though. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's specifically it, it being, you know, Peyton Manning with the Colts, which is not where he ended his uh, career. He ended up with a much better team. Uh, Did he? I don't know. I just, all I know is he was overrated. Uh, and also just, you know, uh, young Peyton Manning who looks uh, 5% less like Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's horrible, Jay. I don't even say bad, that bad of stuff about him. Listen, I appreciate Peyton Manning for, you know, helping the Broncos win a Super Bowl, but also, uh, fuck that guy. He's a pretty horrible person. Okay. I'll call him a Frankenstein's monster if I want to. Okay. Did not know Peyton Manning was a bad person. Yeah, he he had some he had a sexual assault uh, allegation from when he was in college. Oh really? He, he he also yeah he also like I never heard that one. Yeah, it, it didn't come out until like towards the end of his career. Huh. But uh, he he also like vocally and like very publicly defended the uh, Papa John's guy like as he was doing all of his racist stuff. Oh. So yeah, Peyton Manning, a uh, shitty person. Good okay. quarterback, shitty person. Eh. Often the case with athletes. Eh, shitty, shitty, more <laughs> like. But anyways, moving on. Well, obviously, since there is only one plot line, we, we don't have an A plot of our heart this time. Uh, but we do have our Cloris Leachman Award, our award for the best acting, which, as often happens with these awards, mine... Uh, you know, matches up with my favorite character. I gave mine to Emmy Colagato. Fair. Instantly, like, establishing at least, you know, the, the, the this one aspect of this character and just doing a great job with all of those, like, pretty, like, quiet, like, almost all physical acting moments with Lois, which I think is just really impressive. Yeah. Who did you give your award to? I gave it to Jane Kaczmarek. Same reason. Pardon You know, she was my favorite character as well as I love those, uh, you know, like I said, I love those crazy, screamy, yelly, lowest moments. And I love those times with the, the tension between the two of them and that sort of nonverbal communication we've already talked about. The table scene. I think Jane Kismerick did an excellent job. Also, the cold open. I love the little smirky attitude uh, when she's <laughs> dealing with Hal. I don't know. I Jane Jane Kismerick takes it away for me in this uh, this episode. Yeah, no, th th that's right. I think those are definitely... Th those were, like, the definitely the two that I was going back and forth between in my head. Right. I, I think, like, the, the moment that really seals Amy Colagato as my choice is that moment where, you know, uh, Lois has that shitty remark of, uh, you know, what, what you're calling classy, I've always just called <laughs> manners. Just the, the, the look she gets on her face. Oh, it's so good. And she pushes the teacup size just so fucking good. Oh, it's so good. Also, I'm never going to unsee that that scene now as an anime since you made that comparison. Because it's it's such a... <laughs> God, it's got that classic tension. Just, ah, I love it. Yep, there, there may as well be sparks going between their eyes. <laughs> Uh, but, but that just leaves our shittiest and least shitty kid awards. Who did you have as your least shitty kid this week? So my least shitty for this episode was Francis. I, while I think that it is a shitty thing to not invite your parents to your wedding, beyond that, he doesn't do anything wrong in this. I mean, he, yeah, he gets into the screaming match with Lois, but Lois 100% starts it. Francis is guilty of reacting poorly and not being considerate of other people, but that's it, which compared to his brothers, I think makes him the least shitty. Yep, and uh, I also chose Francis as my least shitty kid, and he apologizes to Hal when he realizes that it, like, you know, genuinely hurt Hal's feelings <laughs> that he would, you know, wasn't invited to the wedding. That was a super sweet moment, and I, I was sad that I couldn't give it an award. But, like, it, that's a real, like, I get that, man. Like, I can't even imagine not being invited to my kid's wedding, man. Like, that that would make you feel like a fuck-up as a parent, like, 100%. At least if you give a shit. Like, poor Hal. Yeah, uh, fair enough. But also, uh, you know, I support Francis's choice. Uh, I also have told my parents if I ever get married, they're not invited. That's insane. <laughs> to be fair, neither is anyone else. 
<laughs> I don't even necessarily want them to know. I 100% understand, Francis. Oh, you better fucking invite <laughs> me, motherfucker. I will, I will stalk your ass. Meh. Oh, uh-huh. Don't 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 think I can't track your ass down. You gotta remember, I mean, I'm I'm willing to work harder to find you than you are to hide. I suppose, but I mean, look, that that means you've already you know found out that I'm married, which means you know things have already gone wrong. Oh, Jake. Oh, Jake. I don't know if you know this or not, but I've been planning. I mean, uh, we need to move on. Uh, there's not a chip in your neck. Don't go looking. Uh, well, who did you give your shittiest kid to? This one hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Dewey has been corrupted, and we need to save him. And I'm going to begin this campaign to save him from the influence of his shitty family. But Dewey instigates so much here. He is taking advantage and not showing empathy towards anyone else. And he does the fake vomit thing, which is disgusting. Yeah, it's just... Uh... Dewey, Dewey is not is not the paragon of light that he was born to be in this episode. I can see that. Also, I have established that I am very a firm believer of not disrespecting your parents, even if they're being shitty at the time. There, there can be respectful ways to deal with things, and especially when you're a little kid. And he stood, and when he stands up and yells no at Lois and Hal, uh, and uh, yells at them for them kicking him out of the living room because uh, TV's the only fun thing he has to do. Like, Dewey, you psychopath. I went with Reese. for for what, reasons for uh, Not just that. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, he, that, that is part of it, but for reasons that we've established before that usually gets Malcolm these nominations, but Reese is kind of the ringleader of their running away. He's the one who comes up with the scheme. He's the one who leads it. He's the one who steals the credit card. I don't know. Malcolm kind of also is there. I, I I see what you're saying, but I, I feel like points have to be given to Malcolm, too, because Malcolm is the mouthpiece that announces it. Malcolm is the one who decides that they should test it. Malcolm is the one that manipulates their way in. Like It's Reese's plan, which we've established, we've held against Malcolm in the past for being the one who comes up with a shitty plan. I'm, look, I'm not disagreeing that Reese is shitty. I'm not disagreeing that Reese is shitty. I just don't know. I See, to me, this is where, like, I, I get what you're saying, but I just, Malcolm and him were, like, on the same level of shittiness, which is why I chose Dewey, because Dewey was the only one who, like, did stuff that, like, stood out to me, because, like, I don't know, Malcolm's purposely trying to run up the card after uh, Reese starts to feel a little bad about how expensive the meal was and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, it kind of balances out, but I get what you're saying. Yes, Reese is super shitty in this. And I will give him the credit of he did come up with the plan this time. Normally, that's Malcolm's territory. I mean, he, you know, he did all of the shitty things, and he, you know, contributed to Dewey and Malcolm doing all of their shitty things. So it goes to Reese for me. Okay. That wraps up our awards, but we have a couple segments left, beginning with the Cranston Connection. Okay. So, see, this is connected... Because this is a direct correlation as to why Walt does not like parties, specifically birthday parties, and why as he his health begins to spiral and he begins to start to get that drive from the drug trade of taking control of things and making them be about him finally, he has that breakdown at his birthday party where he gets, or not his birthday party, but the one party where he gets his son drunk is because Walt is sick and tired of having to endure parties, especially with his family, where all he's doing is keeping them from tearing each other apart, and he never gets a day that's about him. And that is why... This birthday kind of set that pattern spiraling in, and he has his total meltdowns on his birthdays in uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. He also has that uh, like mo moment where he, you know, super embarrassed at uh the people that his ex and the and the dude. Yeah, his his friends Gretchen and what's yeah. his and what's his name Gretchen and Elliot, I think. Yeah, Elliot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that that, that all also uh ties into that idea. Yeah. That's See? Good call. All right. Thank you. And moving on to our last segment, we have David's Guessing Game, which you did uh, pretty well this week. You said that only one person would remember his birthday, which was kind of true, though the boys did forget about his birthday, and Lois had to remind them, though it wasn't like the 
central thing, as you sort of posited. No, but it, it, it did indeed set the, the trend, though. Yes. But, but we didn't have... You, you specifically said you thought that Hal would have a scene where he's buying his own birthday cake. I did think that uh, was going to happen. And, and that a, you, you would have, like, a either no birthday party for him, or it would be, like, a very thrown-together last-minute birthday party, uh, which was not the case. And you, you also thought that Francis would likely be coming home, uh, which turned out to be true. Uh, but you did think that it was going to have some sort of ulterior motive, which I gave you partial credit for. Because while he didn't really have an ulterior motive, it did cause, you know, a... It, it was like a plot point that, you know, another thing happening with Francis sort of uh, added to the tension of the episode. Which I feel like is a, a fairly similar idea. Okay. Then, uh, I also made you try to guess, just based on her name, who Piyama would turn out to be. Uh-huh. But, but you were also uh, pretty close, so I actually ended up giving you full credit for this. Oh, thank you. Your prediction was that she was a pretty girl in Alaska that uh, Francis would have a thing for, which is, you know, uh, true, just, you know, uh... To, to a much greater extreme than you predicted. <laughs> True, yeah, I did not, I did not predict the one-month marriage. Almost forgot the, the other community segment thing to uh, talk about. Uh, on Twitter, Erica asked if we thought if uh, this plot line of, you know, introducing Piyama and Francis's marriage was uh, intentional as a choice uh, coming out of the last episode, which ended with you know, Francis, uh, meeting the Native American guy and, you know, sort of getting, uh, too into, uh, Native American culture briefly. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that that was the intention, but, but it is kind of my headcanon now that, uh, the, the guy with the totem pole is Piyama's cousin Jake that she mentions. Right. That he built the ramp for. Okay. I, I like to think that he, like, helped him, you know, get the totem pole back home after their, uh, you know, tense, uh, talking down. And that's how he met Piyama. Maybe. Maybe. I'll, I'll take that as a, as a possibility. But I, I, I do definitely, I don't think that was in any way intentional. No, me either. I don't even know if, in this episode, if they decided Piyama was Native American yet or not. Right. I, I can very easily see them not having, like, decide on that until they wanted to, you know, have that be a part of a future episode. Yeah, I agree. For this week, I gave you an 80% all told. I, I feel like you, you you didn't get any part of the episode completely right. You were fairly close on everything. Yeah. Almost and, counts. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, and on top of that, you have your second one of the uh, blind guesses of plot lines that you did at the end of season two going into this season, as you predicted that Francis would get a new love interest as one of his plot lines. I sure did. Uh, which is definitely the case. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, you now have two out of six of those. Nice. And we are, uh, you know, a little, a little more than halfway through the season now. Shut up, Jake. They'll come. They'll come. They'll come to fruition. Shut up. You're gonna need to pick the pace up here, David. I don't need make to make these plot they points need... happen fast. I don't need to. They need to. Well, what do you think happens in next week's episode titled "Hal Coaches"? I think that Hal is I, one of two things is going to happen. So make sure you put both in your notes because I don't know. Kay. I think Hal is either going to. I don't want to say blackmail, but, like, try to convince, connive, make a deal, wheel and deal to be the Little League coach or something. I don't know what sport okay. he'll coach. Or how will, like, do the frantic parent step-in thing as, like, something happens to their coach, uh, like, mid-game or something. One of those two. So it's either something Hal's really, really wanted to do, or it's something where it's, like... He's the only one who stood up. And maybe, who knows, it could even be something as simple as, like, the coach, like, passes out during the game or something. Hal stands up to get some peanuts, and they're like, oh, great, yeah, you're the volunteer. I don't know. But it's it's one of those two things. I think that, I wonder, it's got to be Dewey, right? It's got to be Dewey who's on the team. Because I'll bet you anything it's the younger kids. Because, like, Reese and Malcolm at this point are beyond, like, the sports stuff. They're not really involved in sports. I could see Reese maybe getting into a sport, but no, nah, yeah, it's got to be Dewey. 
It's got to be Dewey. Okay. So I think it'll be like Dewey's team for something. And yeah, Hal will become the coach. I don't know. That's it. It's Hal coaches. Like that's. Go ahead and take a stab at what you think the sport will. At what? I... Oh fuck! Soccer. Okay. Yeah, soccer. I think soccer. Maybe I'm just like reading into it, but like everybody played soccer at some point, right? Like <laughs> that was a thing in the 2000s. It wasn't just me who was forced into it. No, I think that was just you. <laughs> it might have been. Maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I'm going to say soccer. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, you are like one of like two people I know who played soccer ever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You you and one of my nieces. Ah. <laughs> uh. That's it. I mean, it was fun. It just, I wanted to do other stuff. They wouldn't let me play football, so. Okay, well, with that, let's wrap this episode up. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast is also where we put up our weekly shittiest and least shitty kid polls and you can also reach us by email where we are life is unfair pod at gmail.com and if you enjoy video games head on over to twitch.tv slash lp where we chat with our audience and play video games and in general just have a fun time thanks for listening and remember life is unfair